Oh, good morning after that. I think I'm officially awake now. Um, and I would like to thank whoever picked the photos for getting one that wasn't too bad. Like, there's some very unflattering pictures out there within this congregation. I know who some of you are who have them. So I, I pre at least I was helping a kid, giving him a little shoulder ride in Mexico. Oh, Oh yeah, okay, all right. So uh, someone else, I won't be here second service. At, uh, <laughs> so, hey, uh, it is good to be here. A um, couple minutes ago, what time is it? What's the official time right now? 9.33, let's do some math. 27 minutes ago, I turned 53. Pretty exciting. You guys were singing the first song, and I stepped out back and got on the phone and said, Hey, Mom, it's 9.06. It's 9.06. You know why 9.06 is important? Because I saw the birth certificate. 53 years ago, you did all the work. So this is my new campaign. I started years ago. Birthday's really not about you. It's about the lady that birthed you. She did all the work. You did nothing that day, <laughs> right? So I called Mom and the whole thing, and uh, very fun. And happy to share it with you, as long as there's no more pictures. Um, let me see. What was I going to say? Oh, um, the Turners. So grateful for them. Please come. Uh, have a hot dog. Sit around with us. Smile the whole thing. We'll probably say some nice things about him. I'll probably say some sarcastic things about him because he's leaving. But we'd love to celebrate him. So I hope you can join us today. Um, and those of you that are home... If there's any way you can come down after second service, it'd be just great to have a good showing for him. So, and thanks to the Turners. And I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Apparently, I have to, I'm supposed to do a sermon. Um, man. All right, um, Hosea chapter 11, here we go. Uh, we're we're in, um, in our series uh, that really kind of started one way and, and has really progressed. Um, we're almost talking about different things now that we're 11 chapters in. Really, there's only three more chapters after today. Um, and, and this week uh, is a little more fun in some ways. Now, understand, they're all fun. I have way too much fun every week, every passage, okay? I tell people I don't work. I have a job, but I don't work because I enjoy what I do so much. But this week, I would love for you to get your outline out right now and just look at the top. Um, it says uh, Hosea chapter 11, and then it says, when he roars. That just sounds exciting. Like when he roars, wait, he's gonna roar? What's that like? Uh, there's a verse in there. We're gonna get to it. It's... Um, uh, it's coming up, um, and I want us to see, there's a, there's a compare-contrast, and pretty much every chapter in Hosea at this point is a compare-contrast, um, and, and there's a personal piece for each of us in this, um, and, and maybe some of you might say that, well, it's so, that's so simplistic, Scott, or maybe, you're, maybe it'll hit you and you'll realize it for the first time, but uh, let's and then we'll get going. By the way, the microphone's doing that thing again, where when I move one position, it cuts out, so I apologize. I might say things twice 
because of that, because then otherwise online, you know, they start sending emails and stuff, and it's, it's rough. Um, let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for your word. Thanks for the things we get to sing, the things we get to read. I pray, Lord, that they turn into things we begin to think and say to you, things we begin to impress on our own hearts. I pray that this morning would be another day in that journey, in that experiment. And may we know you better this morning, Lord. May we be encouraged. And may it be, it be through your word, through the guidance of your spirit. And honor your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Amen. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, here we go. Uh, when Israel was a child, I loved him. It's God in the business of love. Okay, we're going um, to pretend you all heard the question, and we're going to try it again, okay? And I'm going to have a sip of coffee while you're answering, all right? Is God in the business of love? Yes. Excellent answer. I love the increased participation. Um, we're going to come back to that word right there, loved. Because uh, when we get to the fill-ins, I'm going to ask you a question. And that word... And what comes after it is going to help us answer that question. So I want love to kind of be stuck in your head a little bit here. Um, this is what God's light like. Out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they listened and obeyed and, and prospered and were blessed. No, what does it say? The more they went away. Doesn't it seem backwards? Wait, no, he's, he loves them, he calls them, and, and then I call them more. What a great little progression on his side. I'd say on his side of the equation, God's doing pretty well. But then in return, what's he get? Oh, they went away. I know what this is like. Maybe some of you can relate to this. This might be a little bit corny, but most of you know who I am, and you showed up anyway, so you expect it. Have you ever been a dad who gets a cell phone plan? Okay, follow me so far. Then you get another phone in that plan, and then another phone, and then another phone, and then five phones, one plan. And here's what you do. You keep one for yourself. You take the other four, you give them to all the other four members in your immediate family. Then you get on the phone and you call one of them. What happens? They don't ask, how do you know my family? Were you there? Were they with you? Oh, dad's calling, oh, skip that, screening that call, right? You call the second, the first one you call doesn't answer, so you call the second one and what happens then? They don't answer. And then you call the third one, same thing. Um, you call the fourth one, and you're batting a thousand, o oh for four, right? Um, it's it's a, that weird concept that God has done and provided and loves and cares for and the whole thing, and He calls out to us, and we're like, "I'm busy. Call you later," or I'm not even carrying my phone. I'm not even carrying with me the attentiveness to God that I would hear Him when He reaches out to me. That's a rough one. Um, we're going to get to that one, too, at the end in the fill-ins. 
There's the, 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 the God thing is really kind of a two-step process, right? So we're going to do the two-step later, all right? So we'll get there. Um, the more they went away, they shouldn't. They kept sacrificing to the Baals, the gods, the false gods, and burning offerings to idols. Are they burning offerings to the correct idols or not? Are there any correct idols? See, that was a trick question, and I got gotcha. you. Right? You shall have no graven images, no idols, right? Just God. That's it. Um, wood doesn't do anything for you. When you set it up on the mantle and you say things to it, it does nothing. Works well in the fire, though. Right? So we use things for what they're worth. Um, but yet we don't use God for what he's worth. Uh, verse 3, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Oh, we're going to do a little we're going to do a little kid analogy here for a second, okay? I took them up by their arms. Did, I mean, what a great picture for my birthday thing. Did you see I had the kid I was holding up his arms, right? Or you go to pick up a kid and you pick them up by their arms and you have fun with them, dance around, swing them around. Um, is this a happy picture again? Um, this microphone's driving me nuts, by the way. I apologize if I don't know what's going on. Let's go to um, next slide. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but they did not know that I had healed them. Taught them to walk, picked them up, and then protected them. I led them with cords of what kind of cords? Kindness. Kindness. Okay, bands of what? Oh, there's that word again. Okay. Uh, I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. We have an animal, an ox, or whatever is plowing for you. Usually you have that metal bit that goes through their mouth, and that's how you control the reins. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ease that on them. I'm going to ease it so it's not so hard to pull whatever they need to pull. I bent down to them and fed them. Now, is he, is he doing a bunch of positive things? All right, that's good, because now we've probably got their attention. Now they're going to respond properly, right? They're going to take the phone call per the last analogy. They shall not return to the land of Egypt. That's good news. But Assyria shall be their king. What? Oh, wait, you saved us from going back to Egypt, but now what's going to go on? And from the east, this actually does happen. Assyria takes over. Uh, because they have refused to return to me. Um, if I asked you to look at the top of the outline again, I'd say it says when he roars, and here's why he roars, right? Why is he going to roar? I don't know, we haven't even got to the roar part yet. Yeah, we're already in trouble, right? When dad got loud, it's because I did something wrong. Scotty, get over here, right? Um, they were first refused to t return to me after all those great things that he had done. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels. Is that feel backwards? I mean, is God prophesying this? It's negative. There's going to be war. Their the city gates are going to come down and... Um, more than prophesying it, is God making this happen? 
Boy, we don't want to answer that question. That's rough. Will God get your attention? I had a conversation with somebody this week um, who had a, a really, really negative, very bad week. And they told me they were going to sleep. And as they were going to sleep, they were talking to God. And crying. And in the morning, they woke up with tears coming down, but laughing. And I said, what's that about? He said, well, Scott, you've always said God will get my attention. I don't like what's going on, but I think he's trying to get my attention. And I struggle with it at night. I realized it in the morning. Ooh, anybody getting goosebumps? People are bent on turning away from me. Wow, see up at the top line, it says refuse to return, and they're bent on turning away. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. Oh, I can call out to God and he can say no? When does that happen? How do I avoid that equation? I'm into equations. I, I, I try not to promote this too much. But math was my favorite subject. Yes, I said math was my favorite subject. You heard that correctly. I did fairly well. It made sense. There weren't two answers. There was one answer. You could self-check things, all this stuff, right? And doing the math, I love that. Uh, because if you get the equation right, you get a solid answer. I view God that way because I'm a math guy. Now, I worked very, very hard to avoid all math in college. And luckily, seminary doesn't have any math classes, which is wrong. They should have some accounting classes in seminary because you're getting ready to start a business. But that's okay. I'm going to put that on the comment card that I'll never write. Um, if there's an equation that gives me a solid answer, as to how I get in trouble with God, how he says no to me, how about doesn't even listen to me, try, choose to ignore me, how about worse, some of those verses we just said, decides to punish me, then please, let me know this equation that I may avoid it. And that's kind of what we're in here. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? What's the implication? What's he gonna do to Ephraim? Is going to give him up. How can I hand you over, Israel? He's about to hand him over. This all happens, folks. This was written prior to the occupation of Assyria. And Assyria, we have history books everywhere. Everyone in the world knows this happened. Uh, and by the way, it went on for much long, uh, longer beyond the Assyrians, right? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. Why, why would his heart recoil within him? Say, because he cares. Yeah? Did you ever... <laughs> okay, at the risk of getting some people in trouble. Did you ever hear this? 
this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Anybody grow up in that era? I heard that. And I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm the one getting the spanking. This is not going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. I was spanked as a kid and praise God for it. And I love my parents. I think they should have spanked me more. It's uh, how I learned. And maybe that's not true for other people. I am not having that debate with anyone. Amen. Uh, here's the thing. What's going on with us most times hurts God more than it hurts us. And, and like a little boy getting in trouble, it doesn't make sense. When your relationship fails, when you get fired, when you get sick, someone or something, that, that hurts. Reference person I just talked to and told you about this week. To think that God, his heart recoils within that is something we should probably sit with as much as possible because it changes our view of him. And we're going to get to view of him in the fill-ins too, all right, because it's out of this. Um, my compassion grows warm and tender. You know, those first four lines on that slide, they don't look like warm and tender but we see the, the battle within God. Of This is how I feel. This is how much I care. This is what I want for you. Uh, how can I bless you? And yet, uh, we got to do a little punishment. We got to do a little consequences for a little bit. I got to get your attention because you're not even looking at me. You're headed the other direction. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. I know that never happens with any of you. Amen. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. This is at least good promises. And watch this. For I am God and not a man. It's a pretty big statement. I am God and not a man. Almost like I don't do revenge. I'm not going to come back and overpunish and things like that. Um, he's God and he's on a mission. Yeah? Okay. Um, they shall go after the, uh, sorry, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. It's a great statement. By the way, does that sound like Jesus? The Holy One in our midst, and he did not come in wrath. See, he absolutely changes the game. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see some some darkness, rough patches, people dying, God punishing, and that kind of thing. Then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, um, we're going to change the game a little bit here. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. I love that. Here's why I love and I'm going to accentuate it by changing some words. They might go after the Lord, and he may roar like a lion. And if he roars, his children might come trembling from the west. What did I do there? You changed the words. Yes, I get that. Like, what was the effect? What, what am I going for? And the point I'm trying to make. There's uh, open-ended, no promises, ambiguous, could, could not, 
undefined, wishy-washy. There we go. That's our official term for the morning. Um, uh, God is never wishy-washy. He says, they shall go after the Lord. What's going to happen? It's eventually going to get so bad, they're going to hit rock bottom, and then they're going to decide it's time to change. And he will roar like a lion. Are we going to be hearing from God? Well, it's just a roar, though. It's like, that's really bad. I mean, maybe he shouldn't roar. No, how about this? How about you're not hearing anything, you're not paying attention, and he roars, and at least he's saying something to you. A roar could be good or bad. How about we try to look at it positively? Roar is scary. You don't know what's happening. When he roars, is it going to happen? Has he said it twice? His children shall or will come trembling from the West. Does that sound like they have a choice? They don't have a choice. But yet, a couple verses back, two different places, they refuse to return. They turned away. Does that sound like you have choice? You do. Ooh, which one is it? Does he control all things or do we have choice? How's that work together? Don't know. If you want some reading on that, uh, do D.A. Carson. He's got a book on compatibility. I can't remember the title per, per se, um, but also uh, R.C. Sproul and some of his theology stuff. Amazing, amazing for that. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. So Egypt be south, Assyria would be east. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. So what, what was danger and what was them being dispersed or scattered tended to be either to the south or the east. Notice he said prior to this, I'm going to bring them from the west. Then he said, I'm going to bring them from the south and I'm going to bring them from the east. Well, what about the north? It's not really anything up there. He says, I'm bringing everybody back. Interesting. Does Israel still exist today? Yeah, it makes me think. It makes me curious. I love the t-shirt that uh, has on the back of it a list of all the countries that have started wars with Israel that no longer exist. <laughs> and Israel's still there. He's going to bring them back together. I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. They say, I might, or any of that? No. This is going to happen. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah, Judah what? Judah still walks with God. This is great news for you. Why, Scott? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not Judah. And by the way, this was thousands of years ago. This is ancient history. Why would that be good news for me? Anyone? Please, please tell me we'll get an answer in here before somebody at home texts it to me and I get it faster than you could have in the room. What's the good news in that sentence? Jesus came from Judah. That's good. But Judah still walks with God. How's that good news for me or you? 
Does that imply, okay, some of you need to sit next to Judy more. Does that verse imply that walking with God is possible? Good news for me. Sign me up, I'm in. Set him up, let's play. I love that. I was a geeky mess this week, reading this, studying this, preparing. I actually started to tear up on that verse. I'm getting old, right? I, you can walk with him. You can also be the two verses before him. Chase lies, be deceitful, and do the whole thing. Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. Can you be faithful to God? Yes. Don't ever let anyone tell you that the book of Hosea is ancient and has nothing to say to us today. Amen? Little hint, don't let them say that about any book of the Bible. Right? Doesn't apply anymore. It's all cultural. <laughs> Yeah, and who's in control of culture? Yeah, right? Hey, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Uh, very exciting chapter. I love this idea that God's going to roar. Because uh, one, it means he's alive and well. He's interested. He's involved. Um, and, and all of a sudden, now i got a whole bunch more questions. If God is going to roar, not if he roars, if God is going to roar, I have a whole bunch of new questions, right? Um, and and here, let's start with this one. The first one is this. Uh, when he roars, I got our first fill-in slide here. Ask yourself, who is roaring? You see the who? That does not stand for World Health Organization. Okay? Ask yourself, who is roaring? If we, if we look at um, verse 9, it says this. I am God, not a man. Who's roaring? What's he capable of? Went to... Um, Belize on a mission trip uh, years ago. Uh, Julie and I, a couple interns and such, and we were checking out potential mission options with the church we was working with at the time. And uh, one of the days off for fun, they said, oh, we're going to take you by the Belize National International Zoo or whatever. Uh, oh, this is great. And we got to feed some animals and the whole thing. And then they're, hey, we're going to take you over to the mountain lion cage. And that just made me start to feel nervous. Right? Just that phrase. Right? Are, are we feeding the mountain lion? Yes. And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm not the food, am I? Can we guarantee that I won't be the food? Because right? here's what I know. If you have food and you have to get it inside the cage of the mountain lion, what do you have to do to the cage for a split second? Yeah, and that violates one of my fundamental rules in life. Never open the cage of a large cat. It's a simple rule. It keeps you survive, right? We get over to this uh, cage, and it's double fenced, and, and it's all, they're metal, 
I can't remember the name of the type of fencing, but you see it all over the place. They have one full set of fencing, and then right behind that, like another six inches, is another whole set of fencing. I think, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. And then they had um, a little chamber from this big open area where the cat hangs out, and then there's this little chamber with two doors, and then there was like a cage that you could really get them in. I thought, oh, that's interesting. How are they going to do this? Well, they opened some side door, and as soon as they opened that door, it was a whole raw chicken. As soon as the gate came up, what I hear? I heard a roar. It was somewhere way over there, but it was loud, and it, and it changed me. It physiologically changed me. I started getting goosebumps, and I was nervous, and the whole thing. And then I hear it again. They throw the chicken in there, and I'm thinking, oh, he's coming. Nothing. They close the door. We hear another roar. He's getting louder. And uh, there's a North American mountain lion, I guess, that they had there. Um, and they do this long whining kind of, they roar, but they you know, I don't like this. Then they took the, the two gates they opened the one to the cage. The chicken was in the middle. That was the third gate, right? We, we Door for food, put in food. Door down, third door, open this gate. We hear another roar. And then they opened the first door to the open area. And as they're opening this door, it was one of the fastest things I've ever seen in my life. I could hear him, had no idea where he was. All of a sudden, in split seconds, he is through the first gate, he has grabbed the chicken in his mouth, gone through the second gate, and then he has turned and come and jumped up on the first fence, and he's claws on it, chicken in mouth, this far from me. Ah! And I was like, okay, I need a shower. It was... One of the scariest things in my life, and it was at that point that I knew, if I ever run into a North American mountain lion like on the street, I'm just going to lay down, it's over. I'm done. It was scary because I knew the level of destruction possible, the power, the capability. Who roars? And my point in this when God roars, when God speaks, when God asks you for something, when God pokes you a little bit or taps you on the shoulder, when God is trying to get your attention, I think there's a fundamental question you have to ask. Who do you think he is? What is he capable of? What is his heart and his intention? Did we sing that this morning? You see, for nine verses, talks about who he is. And then verse 12, it says, you're going to surround me with lies, you're going to surround me with deceit, but you can still walk with God. Is, is he a power and entity that's good and strong, that carries weight in your own mind? Does he register when decision time shows up? 
When you hear him, does he get your attention? How loud does he need to get to get your attention? Because he will get louder and louder and louder. Uh, Growing up, uh, we lived in Berkeley, apartment complex. We were second floor, the whole thing, balcony. Down the street, had some friends and whatnot. We'd run up and down and play and stuff out in the open because communities were safer then. And my dad had this thing that he would do. He would come out on the balcony of the second floor apartment and he would put two fingers in his mouth. I've never been able to learn this, but he would put two fingers in his mouth and he'd do this whistle that you could hear for blocks. It was wicked loud. And I'd be blocks, or not blocks, but houses down the street, you know, hanging out with Armando. And all of a sudden I'd hear this whistle. And it's like, Boom, pop, I'm up, and I, see you later, Mondo, I'm out. She, where are you going? That's dad. Now, I knew. There's two things that happen with dad when he whistles, right? One of them's really good, and one of them's really bad, right? You come home, oh, it's great. It's dinner time. Hey, wanted you to eat while it's warm. Hey, wash your hands. Hey, how was your day? And you're interacting with dad, and it's going really well. What's the other one? You keep playing cars with Armando. And then what happened? Dad comes and finds you. And he's not whistling anymore. He's grabbing you. And he's dragging you home. And you might not get dinner. Right? Anybody else do that one? Going to bed without your dinner? Yeah? I know they don't do that one anymore. I mean, can you imagine the abuse calls and people on going to jail and all this kind of stuff? Somebody get a hold of that. I lived through it, and it worked well because I, I started to figure out who dad was, who mom was. We have to recognize who we're talking to. What is their value? You got to ask yourself who's roaring. Number two, by the way, I just saw one thing I want to come back to um, the last two words in verse 12. Holy one. He calls himself that twice, once most high, he calls himself holy one. Um, that's what we're supposed to know who's roaring. It's the holy one. Totally separate, totally different, totally good, beyond our thinking. Which means we should stop thinking and just be faithful to him, right? Uh, Secondly, when he roars, (laughs) know which lion you want to show up. (laughs) Which lion do you want? If I'm out in the wilderness and I make a noise, I do not want that North American wild uh, mountain lion coming by to see me. I'll, I'll take a different cat, you know, like somebody's house cat that has strayed and is, you know, wants to rub his back along my leg or something. Oh, I'm going to help somebody find their, that's, what I, that's the one I want to show up. Which lion do you want to show up? In this passage, there's two different lions, really. The first nine verses tell us about a lion, right? Do you remember the word I asked you to stick in your head because we we're going to come back to it? 
Love. There we go. Here's what I want you to see in the first nine verses. These are the phrases, verbs, used about God in the first nine verses. He loves, he calls, he teaches, he takes them up, he heals in kindness and in love again, he eases, he bends down, he feeds, because he is most high. His heart recoils, he's compassionate, he's warm, he's tender. And he's God, not man. He's the Holy One in your midst. Love that. That's the lion we want to show up. What's that equation? How do you get that lion to show up? Like what bait do we put in the cage to get the, the lion that you want? Any guesses? If we don't figure this out, we can all quit, do something else with our Sundays, because it's pointless. We're going to get the other lion, right? The lion that destroys, devours, kills. What's the equation? What do we need to do to get the attention of the lion that we want, the first nine-verse lion? How do we get his attention? How do we get him to show up? Mr. Baldwin, nice and loud. Ask Ask him. She said, return. Are these big requests on his part? Do you need to be really good at math? No. Is there a test? Is there a set of like hoops you got to jump through? Checklists? You, you, You ask, you turn to him. If you got a little off, you re- Turn to him. How do you know which lion you're getting? Do you even have to ask which lion you're getting? Or do you know which lion you're getting? Like if I, if I made you write down on your piece of paper right now, which lion am I, uh, you're getting? And you have to write, I'm getting the good lion or I'm getting the dangerous lion. You know the answer to that. You know how much you're pursuing him. You know how much you're ignoring him. You know exactly what the issues are. Which issues are those, Scott? Yours. You know, it's like one of the great things about my job was when I realized I don't have to speak to the specifics. I don't have to even know the specifics of you or your life. That's God's business. Apparently, I'm just supposed to talk about his word. I'm like, oh man, my job description just got so much easier. I don't have to make rules for you. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I I can pray for you. I I do need to do that. I could talk, encourage you. There's all those kind of things. But when it comes to which lion's going to show up for you, do you have choice? Yeah. Now, here's the other tough one on that. Yes, you have choice. You can make the wrong choice. But if God's in full control and he's decided he's saving you and you've turned the other way, what's that journey back going to feel like? I mean, if you're going to be saved at some point, no matter what, 
you might just turn and follow him just to avoid the negative track, road, whatever you're going to be on. Because um, that could get rough, right? Do you want the first nine verse lion or do you want verse 11 lion? What's verse 11? Verse 11 is they'll come trembling like birds, like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes. The second line is verse 11. I will return them to their homes. What a great statement. To where you're supposed to be, to where you feel safe. 1980, I went on a New Year's Day. I went on 1980, I went back over to Shadow Cliff. We had lived there, we had moved away, and all my friends were still there. None of them moved. It's not fair, we have to move, blah, blah, blah. Hey, why don't you go spend the day with them on New Year's Day? Sweet. Went there, played all day. Remember Nerf footballs? Some of you do? Uh, we destroyed so many of those just by overuse. Right? Um, had a great day and realized didn't make a plan for the end of the day. Sun starts going down and all their dads, they didn't do whistles. They had other systems set up in their families and they all figured out it's time for them to go home. I'm standing at the top of Shadow Ridge as the sun's going down, going, yeah, I wonder how this is going to go. I don't know how to get home and if anyone's coming for me and it's getting dark and it's starting to get cold. And by the way, did we have uh, cell phones back in 1980? No. Uh, and, and dingling me, forgot I could just walk over to Todd's house and say, can I use the phone and call my parents? Nope, I'm standing out in the street making wrong choice. And just as it's about to get really dark and really cold, here pulls up dad. You know, my dad has um, a deep sense of humor. So he pulls up but he doesn't really pull over to the side like he's pulling up to the curb to pick me up. He just pulls up and kind of stops even with me. You're me. I'm him. I'm driving. Pulls up and just kind of stops. Rolls the window down. Like literally leaned over and rolled the window down. Says, hey. How you doing? Good. What are you doing? Waiting? Waiting for what? I don't know. Did you have a plan? No. Was I supposed to come up with the plan? I don't know. And that's when he stopped playing games with me. He said, Scotty, I want you to understand, no matter where you are or what's going on, I will always come for you. Now, I was, how old, seven years old or something like that? And at the moment, I'm just wondering if I'm going to get into the car, if I'm going to get warmer. Are we going home soon? Is he mad or whatever? It took a while for that to sink in. No matter where you are, no matter what goes on, I will always come for you. And he's proved it. It's been true to this day. It is the same process with God. You need to recognize who the second lion is. 
This one, I will return you to your home. That he will always come for you. You know, for some people, that's a bad thing. He's going to find me. He's going to find out what I did. He's going to guilt me. Uh, he's going to make me feel bad about myself, my self-esteem, my blah, 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 and all this stuff, and I can't do it, and so I'm just going to avoid him and the whole thing. But the reality is he just wants to come for him. By the way, Dad let me in the car. I got him. We went home. It was great. Okay, he's got to finish the story. Um, but we, we got to know which of the lions we want to show up, and the second lion is the only one you can choose. Right? Lastly, let's do um, the third one. Um, walk toward him. This whole, uh, they, they refuse to turn towards me, or they refuse to return toward me. I asked, you have choice. You said yes. It's this decision, like, you got to make a decision to go his direction. And earlier um, in the sermon today, I said, you know, coming to Christ or following Christ, it, it's really almost a two-step thing for us. I said, we're going to do the two-step. Remember that? It's an interactive church, folks. <laughs> no, um, there's the walk toward him. The I said a prayer. I stood up. I raised my hand. I went forward to the altar call. I prayed with the pastor, whatever. I kneeled next to my bed. I read a verse. I talked to God on my own. I was born again. All these phrases and things that we use to talk about this initial pursuit of God. And, and here's the rough part. Some people stay in that state. They stay in that condition, always feeling like they're chasing God, that they never can find him, and he's off there, and you're down here, and still making mistakes, and gosh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. The Bible says that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. There's another passage that sounds that implies that um, God is not far away. He's actually so close that if you were in the dark, crawling on your knees, you would bump into him before you even moved. That's how close he is. The pursuit of God, the chasing of God, the asking, the talking to, it could be done in a second. And that was the intention of the system. Come to me. Well, how far is it? Do I need to fill up with gas first? Do I need to go ask 48 people for forgiveness for at least 48 things I know I did wrong in my past? And once I've made recompense with all of them, well, then I'll be good enough to come to God. God says, no, just start talking to me. Wait, it's that easy? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, now start talking. Well, no, I want to... We'll talk about this a little bit more. Do you remember back in 1985 when I was over at that one house? And uh, um, yeah, are we going to keep talking about this or are you just going to come to me? Well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. And you know, that one church, I didn't really like them. And the past is really weird. <laughs> and we keep coming up with excuses to turn a decision into a conversation. That's like a thing I say to my kids. You know, I ask you to do something, and you keep coming up with excuses not to do it. Well, yeah, well, so? I want you to find an excuse to do it. Instead of finding an excuse, you're really good at finding excuses, I want to encourage you. Continue to do that. Be, be, be the best in the world at making excuses. 
and then make an excuse to do the right thing. Make an excuse to get an A, to pass the class, to do the driver's license, to get a job, to ask her out, to buy a ring, to move across the country after four years from a church that loves you. <clears throat> sorry I said that out loud. And sorry, not sorry. At some point, we got to start giving ourselves excuses to make decisions, and then boom, now it's time to move. See, because this is a two-step. The first step, the song comes on, and you take your first step. Then, it's keep dancing, right? Then, with him. Walk toward him, and then with him. What's the implied word that's not actually said in the second part of the phrase? Walk with him, right? The walk part. Walk is the, we're going to walk toward him, and then we're going to walk with him. And I asked you, I made you look at a verse earlier. I said this little phrase, what's the good news in this for us? Judah still walks with God. And you're like, I don't know. And I, we joked about it a little bit. And we finally got to the point of what? It is possible to walk with God. You know that it's uh, horrendous that we would even say it that way? That it's possible to walk with God? We were never meant to question it. We were never meant to even have to ask, is it possible? What's the point? We were, we were supposed to know that walking with him was the next part of the equation and just start walking with him. That's my whole job right there. People come and ask me questions about that right there. This whole book, you know what it's about? Him, go toward him, and then go with him. It's the whole story. And yet, well, you know, I'm not sure. I like my weekends. We come up with excuses. What excuses are you making? Do you know how many excuses I had for not starting a church? How many? Let's have a little fun. Pick a number. Oh, gosh. Nice guy. 20, 20 reasons to not start a church. No way. I can come up with those more than 20 just in my own head that deal with me. So the number goes up. It's, it's higher than 20. Come on. 70 times 7. Oh, goodness. All right, this experiment's over. I'm, I had meetings with at least 50 people that told me no. There's 50 excuses right there. I just implied that I had over 20 reasons in my own head about myself why I shouldn't start a church. We're not going to have any money. We're not going to have any people. There's no place to meet. That was dumb. Almost thought we should do like a response, or like I, I should say, okay, repeat after me. That was dumb, but I'm not going to make you say that at church. <laughs> when did it change? How, how did this all happen? I called my mom at 9:06, May 22nd, 2022, to thank her for exactly 53 years ago. And you know what I said at the end of that? Okay, I got to go. The service is going. I got to get back to service. How did I get to a place where I got to do that? 
I started making excuses for why I should do a church. And then who did I collect with me? People. Say that word again. Like-minded. I found people who were making excuses to start the church with me. Is that how your relationship with the Lord works? Let's, let's rephrase. Because it is kind of a question about you and for you to introspect. Now let me make a statement. That is how your relationship with the Lord works. You start making excuses to walk with him. And that means there's, there's certain places I don't walk. There's certain things I don't carry with me. There's certain things that I avoid putting in my body. There's certain things I don't think about. There's certain people I don't associate. I start making excuses. And I will go here. I will do that. I will listen to these things. I will read this stuff. I will spend time with like-minded. I will find excuses to talk to God, read his word, serve him, donate to him. We call it tithing. Uh, be a blessing. And then fellowship with those that do. That's awesome. And then what does God say? Verse 12. I will return them to their homes. Right? No, sorry, that was verse 11. Um, I will return them to their homes. Verse 7, he calls himself most high. Verse 9, he calls himself holy one. And in verse uh, 12, he says holy one again. Those three titles, what it says in verse 12 is this. You can walk with him. If you've never done it, start today. Write it down. 1028 on Scott's birthday in 2022. I said a prayer. Most of you already went toward him. During your walk, what can we reevaluate? Because the passage says there's something about faithfulness. What are you trying to negotiate with him? And how can you get better at making excuses? that are positive. I don't know the specifics or the details. I'm not supposed to know. You do. You pray about them with your God because you know who roars. Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, thanks for being a roaring God. Thanks for being specific, Lord. And thank you for making sure we know we can have relationship with you. We can turn to you, and then we can walk with you. And I, I pray for anyone who's not done that yet. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, even if you're watching after this recording, weeks from now, whatever, if you've never made that decision, maybe you say it this way, Lord, I've heard you. I've heard you. And now I'm yours. Return me to my home. <clears throat> Walk with me.
you start that relationship of salvation. For the rest of you, Christians, what do you need to be faithful in? What excuses can you make? What is he trying to roar at you so that you get the second lion? And maybe your prayer this morning is, is simple too. Talk to me, God. Talk to me. Pray that it would be all of our experiences, Lord. We thank you for this offering we're about to receive. May it be viewed by all as something we do as a family in dedication, faithfulness, and obedience to you. It's in your son's name that we do it, and we pray. Amen. May you walk toward and with him. Amen. Go with him.